when you come to this city and you realize nobody gives a crap about how many diplomas you have. Nobody gives a crap whatsoever. What they care about is can you deliver and are you going to be easy to work with? listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And coming up in episode 280 today, the first half of an empowering conversation with actress, producer, stunt performer and coordinator, and champion for diversity in the arts, Michelle Jubilee Gonzalez. In part one today, Michelle shares about her multifaceted upbringing as both an athlete and an artist in Miami, how her philosophy and her work ethic have created her career in this industry, why reputation is the freelancer's most important asset, and how and why she's always adding to her creative bag of tricks. Episode 280, stay with us. So over the course of the past few episodes, you guys have heard us talk about this thing called Camera Ready You. Camera Ready You. It's uh, the latest creation from David H. Lawrence, the 17th creator of VO2GoGo and Rehearsal Pro. And it's essentially a way to master both the studio and the performance techniques that we all need to be working on camera and doing better self-tapes. Skill sets that are absolutely essential these days. Now, David, as you know, is a seasoned film and TV actor, and in Camera Ready You, he's basically put together everything that he's learned, both working on camera and all the technology needed to support it, creating a home studio, essentially, and your own little production company. And he's going to be sharing everything that he's learned in this course. So... I was lucky enough to steal a few minutes with David to learn more about this because having just interviewed Anna and Brian, those annoying vegans, about building their YouTube platform and having so much success with that, not without its challenges, but basically learning how to have a platform in a, in their case, a post-acting life, but just hearing about everything that they sort of experienced, all the pitfalls, all the things with lighting and, and how to frame themselves and how to learn how to be themselves and all of that really piqued my interest. So I was excited to talk to David. And what's pretty cool is that in this segment that I'm about to play, David talks about this thing that he just put the finishing touches on called the Last Minute Self-Record Audition Checklist, which is kind of like a free component to Camera Ready You. It's kind of a teaser. And guys, I have to tell you, this checklist, he sent it to me ahead of time. So I had a chance to look it over and just, you know, give it a second set of eyes, look for any typos, that kind of thing. Guys, it is awesome. It is really, really comprehensive, and it's absolutely free. So if nothing else, make sure you check that out. So I'm not going to take up too much more time talking here, but I just wanted to let you know we're going to kick off this episode with this great little segment with David telling us more about Camera Ready You, and uh, and then at the end, make sure you tune in for how to get that free last-minute self-record audition checklist, which is just essential. It's the kind of thing that I kind of wish I had made for the podcast as sort of an email incentive or something many, many years ago. I, I never got around to it, but David did it way better than I ever could. So enjoy this little segment here with David, and I'll see you for the rest of the episode on the other side. David, thank you for uh, taking a few minutes to chat with us about your newest creation, Camera Ready You. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Let's start at the beginning. I mean, why why did you create this? So I've been I've been thinking about this for a long time. You know, I'm in a pretty unique position. I do about as much on camera work as I do on mic work, so voiceover work. And I started in the voiceover industry. A lot of a lot of actors that work on camera end up getting thrust into voiceover at some point or another. They have to do an ADR session or they have to do a promo session or, you know, they're asked to record a, a promo, a commercial, whatever. Mine was the other way around. I spent like a long time in radio and then decided to try my hand at on-camera acting because I you've seen me. You know how absolutely dumbstruck gorgeous I am. So uh, I thought maybe with this crazy good looks and awesome figure, I'm totally kidding, uh, that I'd be successful on camera. And it turns out I was. And I learned an awful lot 
after having all those years doing voiceover work, I learned an awful lot about what works from that world and what's different from that world when it comes to on-camera work. And so, uh, you know, I started talking at conventions and talking about being authentic on camera and about being authoritative on camera and about how to do on camera. And when I would come off stage, people would be like, where's your class? I want to take your class. What's your class? How's your class? And I'm like, I don't have a class. Well, you got a voiceover class. Why don't you have a class for this? And I'm like, I, I don't have a class. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I got tired of people asking me what's wrong with you. So finally, <laughs> after four or five years of this, I thought, you know what? I can put together something that would be helpful not only for actors, but for anybody that needs to be on camera. You know, I thought back to when I was a kid. I don't know what your life was like when you like when you would go home after school and maybe watch television or at night you'd watch television. Those people seemed really like cool to me as part of the reason that I wanted to become an actor because I wanted to make people think and feel and laugh and cry. And at that point in life, maybe 50,000 people had been on camera. Right. We were all viewers and the very few of us who were actors or broadcasters. Uh, got to be on camera. Today, those numbers are completely flipped. There's probably only 50,000 people left who haven't been on camera because of Skype and YouTube and GoToWebinar and Zoom and FaceTime and and television and film and web series and all the myriad business presentations and classes that are taught and all these things where you end up on camera almost by surprise and people think, oh, everybody knows how to do this, right? You know, so your boss will come in and go, hey, could you do that thing, that that uh, presentation with Singapore at 4.30? I got a thing. Just get, you know how to do this. You, you, you have a smartphone. And people have the wherewithal, but they may not have the basics and further the best practices to do really well to be uh, what I call the three A's, authentic, authoritative, and agile on camera to know what to do when. So that's why I created Camera Ready You. Mm. You know, I've recently, I'm totally late to the game on this, but we just finished an interview series with uh, a couple of my friends who developed a YouTube channel and it's kind of a cooking show slash video blog, but they're the, the conversation that we had ended up being so much about how they bring who they are to the camera and how they had to retape their first episode because they just saw all these kind of issues. And this camera ready you is not just for actors looking to put themselves on tape. I mean, like you said, it's, it's everybody from like marketers to YouTubers to people that are, are putting together online courses to even just people who are working for their boss and have to shoot a quick, you know, how to video. I mean, it, it can make a huge difference how you speak, how you light yourself, how you frame yourself. So, so who, who would you say this is for if you were to put all that into a nugget? I actually have a confession. I have a confession to make. You know how they say magicians never reveal their secrets? Well, I'm about to violate that in a hundred different ways because as an internet marketer and as a, uh, a business person, I have a certain set of requirements when I do video. I want to uh, engage with people. I want to find out what they need. I want to fill those needs. I want to show them how to do what I want to show them how to do really well. And there's a whole set of things that go with that. And then on the acting side of things, there are all these little things that actors do when they're on camera, depending upon the size of shot. We've talked about this when we talk about secrets of screen acting. So my confession is I'm going to be sort of opening the kimono and sharing all the acting tips that I have with both actors and with business people. This is really where when I would get up on stage and I would say, hey, you know, if you just match the 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 uh, level of your voice with the size of the shot, you're going to find it a lot easier to edit. And here's what to do with your hands. And here's how to not IF the camera. You know, and the business people go, oh, that's why actors do what they do. Oh, I see. And then for the actors, I'm going to show you how people get on camera and influence you. Because all of those things, you know, I'm going to open up the kimono on that side of my life and show people how to do that because those things can all work together. And if they do, you will be unstoppable on camera. You will be just shining on camera. So, you know, you never want to say my products for everyone. You know, it's like bleach. It's for everyone. But the truth of the matter is that if you have to be on camera, either as an actor or as a business person or somewhere in between, camera ready you is for you. It will help you get ready faster. 
It'll help you know what the technology is and not be afraid of it. It'll show you how to frame yourself. It'll show you how to mic yourself, how to light yourself, how to be on camera. I've got a whole module on the roles that you might play, right? So you might be auditioning for a drama or a procedural or a, a, a comedy mm. or whatever. Mm. You might be auditioning for a commercial. That's even popping its ugly head up where people are asking for that. Or as a business person, you might be an educator. You might be a coach. You might be a marketer, a pure cheerleader for the company. And so you choose to you, – you'll have a whole palette that you'll be able to choose from and specifically for the people that listen to Inside Acting. And by the way, can I just say I am so amazed. 200 and almost 300 episodes. Really? Yeah, getting what, you're there. trying to make all the rest of us look bad? Is that what's going on? <laughs> it's just and, – and it's not like, oh, yeah, they've done a whole lot. They've all been so packed with stuff and I have been so honored to be a part of – in a small way, you know, the, the, the ongoing efforts on the show. I just, I love listening to every new episode that comes out. Oh, thank you. Feeling is mutual. Thank you so much. So, so, you know, who's it for, for the people that listen to inside acting podcast, this is for you. If you are going in for auditions, you can ask the person who's running the camera how much are you getting? You don't say how big is the shot? Are you getting my face? That's not what you say. You say, how much are you getting? Are you getting head and shoulders? Are you getting cowboy? Are you getting two T's? What are you, what are you getting in terms of shot size? And if you don't know what those mean, we'll, we'll show you in the, in the, in the, th in the thing. And if you're putting your cell phone tape at home, uh, you'll be able to organize your equipment very quickly, your lights, your mic, how to frame yourself. If you're all by yourself and you're going to play back the uh, reader's lines from, say, rehearsal or from something else, which we got to set that all up. And in fact, what I've got, I just put this together, just put the finishing touches on it this morning. I've got a free checklist for you called Last Minute Self-Record. I actually said self-tape checklist, but like tape is such an anachronism. It's like nobody uses media anymore at all. And maybe they use a little, you know, compact flash or SD or whatever, but it should be self-record checklist. In fact, I, I'm going to change the title right now as we speak. I'm going to change everything about it. It's the last-minute self-record audition checklist. Let's Ooh, call it audition that. Audition checklist. Okay. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Because, you know, for this specific purpose, you know, we get a note from uh, Actors Access if we've self-submitted or from our agent. Hey, you've got an audition. They want you to put yourself on tape for an ecocast or that, you know, you don't, they don't even say ecocast because it's not through breakdown services. But you get this time limit. Right. And you'd be amazed how well, you probably wouldn't be amazed because you do this, I'm sure, how much work you put into it and then go, oh, wait a minute. Crap. I've got to put this on tape. You know, you're working mm -hmm. it and working it and working it. So what I'm going to show you what to do is how to quickly get set up and get yourself in position and do a great self-recorded audition. Uh, we'll give you the checklist so you don't forget things like doing a mic check or getting your lights right or how to frame yourself or things like that. So that is such an essential skill to the, the self-taping thing. I mean, we talked to, you know, Jeremy Gordon, who I know, you know, well, and uh, he, he told this story about this guy who was like on a boat in the middle of the ocean and he was asked to put himself on tape and he did and he, he knew how to do it right. And and he booked this series regular role uh, just off of that. So it's happening everywhere. Absolutely. I remember landing. Uh, I, I booked out. I told my agent I was going to be gone for the weekend. I remember landing in Boston on a Friday afternoon. I was going to go attend uh, my girlfriend's uh, Harvard reunion. So I was going to be busy the whole weekend. Sure enough, every time I get an email as I'm landing saying, hey, I know you said you were booking out, but um, so before we did anything, we got to the hotel I set up my my iPhone on the the ledge of the of the television. It was about eye level for me. Uh, Betsy was my reader and I put this together and I did the audition. You know, I went, you know, I spent about an hour working with the script, get, did the audition and sent it off to him. And it got me a callback and a booking on the Disney Channel Ant Farm. So and this was like five years ago, four years ago, something like that, long before Self-taping became as important. I mean, we saw it coming because EcoCast has been around for a while. But this idea of putting yourself on, you know, self-recording, self-taping. I've got to break myself of the habit of saying self-taping and say self-recording. This is going to be the future. I mean, there will always be those moments when you're called into a casting director's office or a production office 
but they may end up tacking on an initial step that says, put yourself on tape first, just so we can see who we're bringing in for this. This may end up being the pre-read of the future. Hmm. So you need to know how to do this right. I've heard casting directors talk about it. Like you said, Jeremy Gordon. Uh, I've heard Caroline Leem talking about it. I've heard uh, Bonnie Gillespie talking about it. Lots and lots of casting directors are talking about how this is such an essential skill. So that's why I made it part of the whole course, Camera Ready You. It's a lot more involved than the last minute checklist. But at least with the last minute checklist, if you've done nothing else, you'll be able to get set up and do your audition in a professional way you won't you won't have forgotten something simple or or obvious wow the thinking of self-recording as the pre-read of the future is really compelling i think that you're probably onto something there i think that we're probably headed there that before you even set foot in the office they're going to want to screen you beyond your reel Exactly. They're already doing it. There are lots of very high-paced CDs, uh, high, high-paced uh, offices that have a lot of episodes and they're trying to get them done quickly. They're already doing it. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you next what what kind of pe- things people can expect to be taking away, but it, uh, you've, you've outlined just a handful of them and that sounds like just a, a goldmine of, of, of skills and, and uh, knowledge. Well, I've taken the I've taken the really the best parts, the good stuff, and put it in this um, in this PDF. In this, uh, and I, you know, the other thing I was thinking is I might just turn this into a video. But I've got it as a PDF right now, and I'm going to give you that for free. Very cool. Uh, all you have to do is go to cameraready.com. Uh, That's cameraready.com, and uh, it's cameraready the letter U dot com and and just you know tell me where to send it and i'll send it and and off to the races we'll go and i'll and i'll make sure you're aware of when we're uh we're actually open for registration as you're listening to this right now uh if you're listening to it when it was uh, when it's released if you've waited a couple of weeks we're already well into the class but you know we're we're registering people all this week and if you want to be part of the big camera to you class we'd love to have you but this last minute self-record audition checklist. Yes, that is the official title. I have decreed it. <laughs> you know, you know what is really cool. I was looking at the outline for the course and and after each or at the end of each module, it looks like you've actually got people iterating and optimizing, recording their own videos and taking it one more step every single module. Oh, it's more than that. It's more than that. What we do at the beginning of each week is the very first thing you do without learning anything from that week's modules is I have you put something simple on tape. For example, the first week is I just want you to get on camera. Don't think about it. Don't try to be perfect. Just get on camera, be able to be heard, be able to be seen and just say your name. So in your case would be, hi, I'm Trevor Allgott. And that's it. Right. Hmm. So then at the end of the week, after we've done the first module, We have you do that very same thing again. Hi, I'm Trevor Allgott. And then we compare the two and we're going to do a weekly sort of um, uh, workshop uh, meeting where we play back people's before and after. And then the final is going to be putting together a, you know, one minute or so summary of how you want to use the stuff in the class. And we'll have that the first part of the week, have you do it then. And then the final video that you'll make is putting everything that you learned together, all the roles that you might be, how the cameras work, how all the the lighting and the mic works, how the software works that I'm going to be showing you how to use to edit your stuff. Everything, you put it all together and then you'll do that final video. But it'll be a week at a time, a video at the beginning of the week and a video at the end of the week. And you'll send it to me and then you'll learn something new that week that will help you make that second video of the week that much better. And so you'll get time on camera. You'll get time in front of others. You'll see what others are doing. It sounds like almost like Toastmasters, but for the digital age. Wow. Okay. You can have that. That's, that's yeah. yours for free. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I've never attended a, to- a Toastmasters meeting, so I don't – I mean I know of them and I send people to them. Do they do that where they have you speak and then they talk about it and then they have you speak again? I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I had a roommate once who was really into that stuff and he would go on – he would tell me a little bit about, you know, how every week they kind of went a little bit further with it and they had like a roundtable where they gave, you know, constructive feedback. And That's I, exactly I, what we're going to do. That's oh, exactly it. right. What I want to do is do building blocks each week. Uh, and you know, it's, it's not an insignificant amount of money. It's, it's, uh, you know, less expensive than, uh, some of the other things that I do. But I think the value that you'll get is this ability to, 
uh, do all of the three A's, authentic and authoritative and do so in an agile way. Like you won't have to sit there and go, Oh my God, I got to be on, on camera. I need an hour. I need, I need to, I need to like brush my hair and I need to like put on makeup and I need to, you know, remember what the, the checklist is that David gave me, you know what? No, just like, I got this. I'm going to make sure that you're going to be able to say, I got this. And I'm going to give you permission, just like I give you permission, just like Trevor gives you permission when, when he talks about this and, and AJ does to be yourself, to just be yourself. It's going to be so much more effective than trying to be the on-camera version of you. Or if you're doing it way less because you've heard to do less on camera, the on-camera version of you. You know, I want you to just be you. Just be your beautiful, flawed, but but fully present and available self. Not don't try to be a better version. This is just this is advice in general. Don't try to be a better version of yourself. Just yourself and take advantage of that and just drop yourself in front of the camera and be so totally natural and so at ease, whether you're doing an audition for a role or you're uh, presenting a lesson or you're showing somebody how something works in a video, you're making an unboxing video for YouTube. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I want to get you in a position where you're not afraid. And in fact, you're just excited about being on camera. Hmm. You know, the, one of the biggest secrets of this industry, or maybe it's not a secret, but sometimes it feels like it. And I think uh, one of the hardest things to do is to just be authentic. It's like that. That's what people are looking for. And it's it's one of the most challenging things. But those that can master that and can just easily slide into frame and deliver their truest self and then get on with their day. If you can hone that skill set, it's like there's there's just no way you can fail if you can just share that with the world and, and especially do it on camera in the age of YouTube and, you know, high speed Google fiber and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's where it's going. So yeah, and, and being authentic is one of those things that you don't build. It's one of those things that you reveal. So mm. Michelangelo once said, how do you sculpt? And he said, I take away enough marble so that the statue remains. Yeah. yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is that off, almost all the time when I'm coaching somebody on camera and they don't, they feel plastic and they feel artificial and stuff, it's because they're doing more than they need to do. They're doing too much. They're thinking that they have to do other things than just be themselves. And it's basically paring away and, and nipping and tucking and, and removing just a little bit here and there. And then finally, you're left with exactly what you started with before you walked in front of the lens. You're left with yourself. And it's just such a beautiful thing to watch it happen. You see it happen all the time when people get roles, you know? Yeah, yeah. Authenticity is, is what persuades. It's what people can relate to. And like you said, flawed. And like that's, that's, where, the, that's, where, the, that's where the truth is. Well, okay, so that's Camera Ready You, and that's you as in university, camerareadyyou.com. And uh, if people go there, they can get the last-minute self-record audition checklist. Good job, and Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and uh, and that's free. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to hearing um, you know more about this as as, uh, as it goes on. And, and it sounds like it's going to be a really valuable and fun ride. Yeah, we've got a, a little private Facebook group for the the checklist that we're putting together as well. So if you have questions, you can ask questions and stuff. Uh, and and we'd love to have you join us for Camera Ready U. We're going to do our our our, our initial run uh, starting this week, and we'd love to have you on if you want to if you want to jump aboard. But at the very least, go pick up the the free report. We'd be happy to help you out there wherever. And and I just really I, I can't tell you how much fun it has been. Uh, to put this together to sort of like, oh, yeah, I remember that from when I did that thing. And, you know, like I've got a lot of stories to tell and I've got a lot of cool things to show you. And there'll be some moments where you go, oh, and then there'll be some moments where you go, huh, that's not what I was taught. And it's OK. You know, I'm just showing I'm, I'm trying to do just like what I do with Vio2Gogo. I'm trying to show you what works for me and what I think can work for you. Uh, you got to be the arbiter of that, but hopefully we give you enough that you have all kinds of takeaways and it just makes your on-camera life just sparkling. 
Oh, man. So stoked for this. David, thank you for taking the time to uh, share some more about this and really looking forward to, to seeing how this unfolds. And again, guys, that's CameraReadyU.com. Make sure you head over there and get that last-minute self-record audition checklist. David, HLOR17, thank you again. Thank you, Trevor. Hey, Trev. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. Uh, the next LA Actors Tweetup is coming up, and, and Ben and Carrie want to personally invite all LA-based podcast listeners to their next free event. They're always free on Monday, June 26th at Busby's East, which is where they've been holding them uh, quite often. They'll be hosting uh, – check this out. This is pretty cool. They've been having like a guest at, at these where they sort of start out with like an interview, kind of like what we do here, and the rest of the night is just a, you know, a hangout, building relationships. They'll be hosting – Emmy-winning editor and director Kabir Akhtar, who currently works as an editor, director, and producer on the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Kabir has also worked on the show's New Girl and Arrested Development, among many others. Um, this is going to be epic, informative, an epic, informative evening that is great for uh, actors, filmmakers, producers, editors, anyone in the industry, really. Sometimes they have um, managers and, and, and agents and stuff show up. Um, the, the, you know, people just kind of show up and hang out. It's really cool. The event starts at 7 p.m. on June 26th at Busby's East in L.A. And Ben and Carrie ask that you go to the TweetUp website, laactorstweetup.com. Join the email list so that you get important event information and updates and uh, the RSVP link. You do uh, you can RSVP, although the entry is free. And because Sometimes people are like catching up on the podcast. If you're listening to this on June 26th at like 5 p.m. and you're like, oh, there's no way I'm going to make it. I never RSVP'd. Listen, just show up. If you're listening to this on the day of the tweet up, it's a pretty laid back event. Just show up and say you heard about it on the podcast. You will get in. We promise. Hmm. Awesome. I haven't been to TweetUp in, in quite a while, but uh, they've al- always been amazing. Everyone I, that I have been to has been awesome. I've met a lot of cool people there that I'm that I still talk to today. And talk about great guest speakers that they get. A, a great opportunity to build relationships because we don't we don't use the other word. But those those tweetups are great. They're free. Uh, it's a great uh, opportunity to just you know get out there and meet people. I mean, that's what this industry is all about. It's a relationship business. We have said that a lot on the show. All right, guys. So without further ado, here is part one of my conversation with Michelle Jubilee Gonzalez. Now, I have to say, I didn't know a lot about Michelle before Jen suggested her as somebody we might be interested in interviewing. And I kind of, you know, I did a little bit of research on her. And she's a very multi-talented, multifaceted person. But what I wasn't prepared for was just how positive and inspiring and empowering she is. I mean, this is a woman with a philosophy that cannot fail. Enjoy part one of this chat, guys. If you come out the other end of this and you're not feeling at least a little bit on fire to do something awesome today, then uh, what's wrong with you? Maybe you didn't listen. Listen to it again. All right. Enjoy. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Trev, and I'm really stoked to be sitting down on one end of a Skype conversation with actress, producer, and stunt performer and coordinator, Michelle Jubilee Gonzalez. Uh, She does all those things. She's also a real champion for diversity in the entertainment industry. She's worked in dozens upon dozens upon dozens of TV shows and films, including two films that are actually in theaters right now, Fate of the Furious and Wonder Woman. And she's currently producing a documentary called Unapologetic about the pressures that women face in the industry. And also, Michelle, I was just doing some quick research, and you're also a very talented musician, a violinist, a pianist, a vocalist. So uh, one thing is really clear. You have a lot of talent, a lot of passion and fire and zest for life. So we have a lot to talk about today. Awesome. Well, thank you. 
for such a lovely introduction. <laughs> hey, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. I'm really excited to hear about your journey. So so let's actually do that. Let's, I'd love to start with the origin story because there's a lot of people that listen to this show that are sort of just starting to figure out how to break into the industry. And I always love hearing about where people started. So so with you, uh, where did you grow up and, and what was what was the bug that that got you that's that that got you into the entertainment industry okay uh well i was born and raised in miami florida so that's already a very colorful city with a lot of um flavors and sounds and music and culture and there's it was a really uh vibrant environment to be raised in um i was raised with uh very loving and supportive parents that because they left their immigrant they're immigrants from cuba they both left cuba um and because of communism, they they missed out on a lot of things, and they were separated from their family. So, my mom, being a total philanthropist for arts, she loved the arts since she was a child, and she gave us what she couldn't have, which is in, incredibly selfless and and beautifully generous from her part. And I blame her. <laughs> I give her so much credit for where I am as an artist because uh, she was a really big um, inspiration for me. So she. Um, she started us off with violin lessons when we were all like two years old in diapers or whatever. Like we'd still, we'd be holding these little violins and then we actually started making sounds and making music when we were three years old. Um, and, and so that was my first introduction to the expression through art. And after, you know, throughout those years of childhood, I also got into piano and then I got into singing and I got into theater arts. Um, and I have two older sisters and they were very loud and <laughs> very expressive. So I felt I needed to like somehow compete. You know what I mean? Like mm, to be like, yeah. hi, guys, I'm here. Cause I was like the littlest one in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into, I, I, I kind of followed in my sister's footsteps, um, because it looked fun what they were doing and I always wanted to play with them. So this was a way for us to do that. So yeah, I did a lot of theater when I was a kid I played in orchestras, um, and then when I was in high school, I was a dual enrolled in college. So I was earning my college credits for my associates while I was in high school. Wow. And yeah, and so I was taking all these like music electives, like piano, violin, and voice. And my voice teacher, Dr. Beverly Coulter, who's a brilliant teacher and mentor, saw the potential to use my martial arts and gymnastics and my voice and give me these really physical characters to play in an opera. So I worked in her company called Rio Needy Opera for about four years, five years. Um, so I was earning like professional experience while I was a high schooler. And that was, that was everything. I just had so much fun working with this really diverse cast of, of performers of all ages, of all races. And I was like, this is so nice. Like it would just, it just felt like home, you know? Dear, so, um, I just can't believe how incredibly productive the first 18 years <laughs> of your life were. How did you do all of that all at once? I don't know. Um, I, I guess it is strange, but for me, it was my normal. And I didn't ever have a point of reference except for like the geniuses that I wish I could be like. Like, how did Jackie Chan be an actor, director, producer, martial artist, gymnast, complete brilliant uh poet of motion like how did he do that i i just figured if because i was inspired by bruce lee and jackie chan and all these like incredible performers and then like you know violinist uh it's like perlman like these really brilliant the, the creme de la creme like just the best in their field and i was like how did they get that good and you can tell that it's not something that people are just born with like that Oh, he's a prodigy or he's whatever. Like they also have to work really hard. There's this thing called discipline. And so for whatever reason, I just, I, 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 I got it. I understood what that meant and I understood what I needed to do in order to get that good. So I would enjoy the process of practicing. Like most parents, um, they have to tell their kids to practice their instrument or to do their homework. And my mom, to this day, will testify, I never had to tell Michelle what to do. She always did her homework. She always practiced because I wanted to, like, with homework, I wanted to get it. I made it a game. I was like, how quickly can I do my homework and do it well? Like, I I always did my homework really well. Like, I got good grades in school. But I made it a game. I just made it fun for myself, you know? And I would would put a little clock there and be like, okay, I have 30 minutes. Let's go. And if I could finish my homework as quickly as possible, then I could go outside to my backyard and teach myself how to do flips 
And then after that, I would jump in the pool and swim and play. And then after that, I would practice the violin for like an hour. And I enjoyed all these aspects of like me developing these skills. So um, it was a lot of like self-motivation and a lot of awareness of just like doing the work, but not making the work seem like work. Yeah. So it almost sounds like what am I trying to say here? That, that you didn't miss out on a typical oh, no. childhood. childhood. No, not at all. Even while doing all this stuff. Well, I mean, I was, they're not singular events. Like when you go to orchestra, you're with like 30 other kids. You're all from different parts of life and different cultures. And you all come together to make this beautiful symphony of efforts and everybody contributing their thing. And that that's so beautiful to me. And so it was a social thing for me to participate in orchestra. And it was a social thing for me to train in gymnastics. I loved my closest friends were the girls in my team because we would literally spend like 40 hours a week training. And so we would do slumber parties together. We'd go out together. We'd train hard, play hard. Like I, I consider that some of my best, my favorite years of childhood were when I was training in gymnastics. So just to recap, you, you got your college degree while you were also in high school, or at least worked towards that, and you worked professionally as, a, as an artist, as a musician and a uh, performer, yep. and martial artist and gymnast and all these things. And the thing is, like everything that I trained in when I was younger, I was able to find a way to put it to work. You know, like I always found a way to incorporate it into like building those professional credits, whether it's the opera company or working with the dance company or working in the independent film scene in Miami. Cause it did, I started off there and I did a couple of indie films, but you know how that is when it's a smaller market, they really don't go anywhere. But you know, I, I built a reel, I built some credits, I had some experience. I wasn't completely green. And again, it's just having those skills in, in my pocket is what allowed me to like just get a couple random jobs here and there just to survive once I got into LA. So your mom was really a champion for developing children that were just extremely well-rounded and prepared for just about anything. My biggest blessing in this life has been my parents. Most definitely. Like I had a hardworking father who taught me the importance of being disciplined and having a really incredible work ethic and most importantly, he was always like, you have to apply what you learn. You can go to school as long as you want. You can get all the degrees in the world, but unless you understand how to incorporate that into a job, into a, a way of making a career and a, and a living, it's just information. Mm, amen. True power comes in application. I'm like, wow. And I always got that. He always was pushing to be like, so what are you doing with it? That's nice. You got a degree. You have a black belt. That's nice. Now what? Like he was always like, what are you going to do with this thing that you now know how to do? So it's very gratifying at this point in my life to be like, look, daddy, look what I've done with my life. I get to put my martial arts to work in stunts and in yeah. acting because I can do the acting, the stunt acting roles where she needs to fight and defend herself and then say a line and blah, blah, blah. And so he's just, he's so happy for me because he's seen me put into practice into real practice what he's always encouraged me to do so yeah what a powerful life philosophy too to impart to a, a kid uh yeah you know what are you doing with all this information i mean information is never the problem right <laughs> information and like resources are not the problem especially in america we're okay yeah. in that department so it's it's all about your philosophy of what you do with that stuff exactly uh, so so you had all these skills and it sounds like you kind of rolled right into a, a, a career in the arts it was, it, I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy because like a lot of times at the beginning, I did a lot of stuff for free. I did it for credits. I did it I did it because I wanted the, the footage for my reel. I did it because I needed to network. I did it because, you know, you have hopes that this is going to lead you to something or someone that's going to hook you up for a better job. Um, so I did a lot of stuff for free. I think it's just part of the the natural path, you know, that it, your initiation right into this industry is like, you gotta, you gotta work your way up the ladder, you know, you gotta do a lot of stuff for free, be an intern, whatever. And of course there are moments where things are hard, the phone's not ringing, you're like, I'm never gonna work again. And it just feels like nothing's happening, or at least that's how it used to feel. Like when I started, that's how it would sometimes feel. Cause I would have a job and then it would finish. 
And then because nobody knew me yet, because I was still so fresh, it was very easy to get like a little anxious about like, when's the next call coming? Which I think a lot of performers can relate to because like, this is a freelance industry. You have to do so much freelance work until people start recognizing your work and who and how you are on a set that your reputation starts to precede you. When, when did you notice that that shift start to happen for you? I mean, you, you started just up. I assume you, you applied for like a lot of local jobs on like a, whatever L.A. casting was. Well, actually, you're in L.A. now. Yeah. So so when did you move to L.A.? I moved July 2008. I had just finished my master's degree in music, vocal performance. Um, and I was like, great, I've got this this title in my pocket so I can actually teach um, anywhere with, you know, with that. Um, and it helped me get two jobs so I could at least pay rent when I got here. So I came out here with two jobs teaching acting and music to foreign students at Theater of Arts Academy in Hollywood. And then, um, you know, another one of those like weekend boot camps for kids wanting to work in, in commercials and acting and all that stuff. So I would just, you know, I, I was teaching. Um, but where was it going with this? I just lost <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, because my, well, that's, that's awesome. And so you were able to sort of pay the bills that way while you were sort of freelancing as a creative, as an artist. But what was the point that you felt like people started to, well, you, you were able to move on from doing all that free work? So I moved 2008. And I think it was about three to four years after that. So around 2012, 2013, there was a really significant shift because I had acquired jobs and I had performed well. And then people started talking about it, which is good. It's, it was good talk. They're like, yo, Michelle Jubilee, she can deliver and she's super cool to have on set and blah, 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 blah. Oh, you need a fight girl. She's awesome. Like people would just start recommending me for work because they saw that I, I could adapt and I knew how to like be sensitive to the set. Like it's not just about being like this, like really gregarious social butterfly on set. Cause like you also have to kind of be quiet because people are trying to work. <laughs> so there's like, a, there's a delicate line. It's a delicate line to walk on. But you know, if you pay attention in general and you pay attention to your surroundings and you pay attention to people's body language, you should be able to read when it's the right time to talk and be playful. And when you got to just like, calm down yeah yeah there's some people who are just on and i'm like it's not about being on i mean you, you just just be yourself <laughs> and then adapt as the hours change on the set so yeah like i said i was always really adaptable as a kid and that translated onto sets and into my work and after four years of really hustling hard the phone started to ring more consistently and then I started to say, this is great because now these things can actually pay my bills instead of all these other random jobs. So when were you able to leave uh, teaching or do you still do it? I teach privately, but only like people I like. <laughs> only a couple of students that I've been with. They've, they've been with me since I moved here. So there's a certain loyalty that I still have just because I've seen them grow up. But like I said, it's just a handful of students that I have because I am at this point, very busy with production and developing things. And I'm, I'm grateful. I don't need to rely on that income as I used to, but teaching at like, you know, theater arts Academy, I think it was, I, I was there for like two years and then I was able to move on from that. And same thing with that other uh, commercial workshop place on the weekends. Like I did that for like two, two and a half years. And then I moved on from that as well because it's like, I don't want these side jobs to be a crutch. Do you know what I mean? My priority is not to be a teacher. My priority is to be a performer. And that means, you know, some t there are many times where I would sacrifice the paycheck of a teaching job for the opportunity to audition or the opportunity to have a callback or the opportunity to film for a hundred bucks a day, which is way less than what I was getting paid, you know, teaching for three or four hours. But, I, you know, that was more important to get the credit than the paycheck. So it's just about having my priorities really clear that started to to, to cause that shift. You have to have faith, you know, that, that what your, what your priorities are, are worth your time, are worth making a small compromise of, on the bills because the payoff later on will be well worth it. Yeah. I just want to emphasize too, that you put in many, many years working for free. And I think that a lot of, I just, I, I want to, that's such a key part of the journey. I think a lot of people imagine that they'll, you know, hop off the bus and 
you know, start making a living from acting within a year or two. And, and oftentimes, most of the time, that's just not how it works. You have to really just sort of, like you said, work your way up the, the ladder. And, 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 uh, in, um, his book, rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki, who's kind of a controversial figure, but he talks about that. And he says like a big reason, a lot of people don't find the success they're looking for is because they're unwilling to work for free at the beginning. And, uh, and if uh, I just want to point out, it took you four to five years of doing that before it started to sort of, you know, bear fruit. It's, that's right. And it's like, it's like any business, you're a startup business. You have about three to five years to get yourself and get your head above the water, so to speak. Uh, but those first three to five years, you're laying the groundwork, establishing your reputation, building your brand. Um, and you're also getting really good at your craft. And, and I went to, I went to school. I did my theater arts degree. I did my music degrees. I did all my, I studied my butt off. That's nice. But now when you come to this city and you realize nobody gives a crap about how many diplomas you have, nobody gives a crap whatsoever. What they care about is can you deliver and are you going to be easy to work with? Because unless you're like, you know, already established that you can start to become a diva or diva, which I highly discourage, like don't become a, a jerk on set just because you're number one on the call sheet it's uncalled for it's unnecessary but the whole my whole point is like you know you 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 work you work this hard towards these goals because it's what it's what you feel is your purpose it's what you feel is your fulfillment you're not doing it for the fame you're not necessarily doing it for the money because if you are then the the art is missing heart do you get it? Like, it's hard to be a successful artist if your spirit is not in alignment with what your path is. Yeah, yeah. So when people are like, oh, I just moved to L.A., so I'm going to get discovered and I'm going to be famous and I'm going to work in a movie. I'm like, well, I, I truly do wish you all the best. Uh, but just showing up, like moving to the town and not doing the work, that's not the formula. Like, yes, you have to be in the right place at the right time. But you also have to be ready. So at the drop of the dime, if they call you, you have to be ready to show up and deliver your craft and be so good at it that they cannot deny you the job. Mm. One thing we've talked about a lot on the show is uh, a quote that we I'm not sure if we ever figured out if this was from LL Cool J or Will Smith. But one of those guys said, I like to be ready so I don't have to get ready. And oh, uh, that's, that's you know, that's another little piece of life philosophy that will pay dividends for forever. Forever. And that's yeah. why it's like this, the studying and the training and that discipline of always just like managing my time to go to school and train gymnastics and train martial arts and then train singing and go to an opera and then have rehearsal. Like that is time management on crack, like on steroids. <laughs> yeah. In fact, so. yeah. And let's talk about that because you do so many different things. You produce, you do stunt, uh, stunt work and also stunt coordination. Uh, obviously you've got your, your diversity work and you're a musician as well. So what does a typical day for Michelle Jubilee Gonzalez look like? I am fascinated to hear what time you get up, how you prioritize things, where you take breaks. If you take breaks, when you go to bed, what does that look like? My brakes are in the car while I'm driving from places. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Spoken I'm like, like I don't a true Angelina. It's crazy. Um, it is a very intense schedule. And there there are times where it can, I can definitely feel um, a little bit burnt out. Like, just because I don't have... I'll work seven days a week for too many weeks on end. And I'm like, oh my gosh, burnt out. Because it's as a human, the machine needs to rest. The thing that drives me is not human, but it's in the container of a human. So <laughs> it can go on forever. That's why I'm like, I'm always motivated because my spirit is like, it's just so enthralled with what I do. I love doing what I do. That's the gasoline. It's like this endless tank of gasoline all the time. But getting back to answering your question, what a typical day looks like, I generally wake up around 6 if I can squeeze in a run, I'll go running for like 30 or 45 minutes. I'll listen to like a self-improvement audiobook or some business book or something so I can educate myself while I'm running. <laughs> I know. It. Love it. Multitasking already. It's yeah. only six in the morning. Um, I'll take my dogs out. I'll give them food, give them love, and then take a shower, have a light breakfast, do some emails to hit off the day. And then by the time it's eight o'clock, I'm either heading off to another training se session for whether it's, um, you know, stunts or anything. Because stunts is so many things. It's gymnastics, parkour, uh, tactical, uh, weapons. It's, it's a thousand different things I could be doing. 
Um, so I'll train in the morning, depending on the schedule. And then I'll have, I'll, I'll change, grab a bite while I'm driving, make some phone calls in the car, head over to a meeting. Uh, usually the meetings are with other, um, whether it's producers or investors or talent or people that are connected to talent. So I can try and pitch them on those projects or these projects or whatever. Um, and then I will hustle a couple of sets, like, you know, for stunts that you like give them your headshot and resume, hmm. shake hands, whatever. So you'll do, um, you'll just drop in and drop off your, your stuff and just say hi. Yeah. Sometimes you can do that and sometimes yeah. they kick you out and that sucks. Cause you're like, I drove here for nothing. You never know. It's, it's, it's part of the gamble. Um, and then sometimes I'll have a recording session and then Wednesday nights I take class at UCLA extension for spec writing. I'm taking a spec writing class. So, um, you know, just to, again, keep adding to your bag of tricks and develop yourself better as a storyteller because the learning never stops ever. And then that's it. And at the end of the day, I'll hang out with my dogs and my guy. <laughs> I'll be exhausted. But I was like, what a good day. It was so full. So I try and cram a lot of stuff into my days so that every day I'm moving these projects forward and making progress with myself by developing, by training. I'm making progress with myself by educating myself, whether it's taking a class at night or listening to the audiobook in the morning. Um, I'm moving the projects forward that I take meetings for with producers or with investors. Like if every day you make a little bit of progress for all these different things, it eventually you'll see that you've built the castle. But it's like brick by brick by brick. But every day you got to put another brick on there. And every day another couple of bricks. Like the more you – some days you can put a lot of bricks and you're really productive on one project. And the next day you do the same thing for a different project. But as long as every single day, not every week, but every single day, you're moving your things forward, you'll see progress. And if it takes you four to five years for that progress to like just start to take you on a, a wave, then that's what it takes. So I've put in that time and I've put in that effort and energy and intention. And I, I, I ha the proof is in the pudding. Like I see that, that it's worked for me to be that persistent and that in love with what I do because that's an, that energy I think is attractive to people. You know, instead of those people who are like, oh my gosh, it's so hard and they like complain about it, it's not attractive. Mm, Nobody yeah. wants to think people want to be around that kind of energy. Um, I wouldn't want to be around that energy. So even though it is hard, you know, I, I don't acknowledge that it's hard. I just put my head in it and go. I just do it. I show up and I'm like, all right, let's figure it out. It's going to be tricky, but here we go. And, you know. It's just, it's perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah. We, we, <laughs> we call those people who are a little bit more uh, victim-y about the journey, we call them uh, the Ain't It Awful Club because they spend a lot of time just hanging around going like, ain't it awful? It is so hard. The, the deck Ugh. is stacked against us. And, and you know what's that say? Misery loves company. It's very true. Like those people tend to attract each other and, and it feels good to sort of be a little helpless. Um, I it's, think it's a so. lot, it's a, well, it's a lot harder. I think it takes a lot more effort and responsibility to step up and say, I am responsible. I can change this. It's also empowering to think that way. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's addictive once you get it, but a lot of people, it take, it takes work, you know, and a lot of people aren't willing to do that. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, a suggestion, go for a walk around the block with your iPod and a, an empowering audio book in there and like just start to reprogram your brain about how you approach the work. Because to be like, oh, ain't it awful? I got to show up to this audition. I'm like, you're so lucky. Oh, my gosh. Just to get your picture selected is a mini victory. You know, and they want you to be good. Oh, my goodness. Ain't you lucky? It's not ain't it awful. It's like, oh, my gosh, ain't it wonderful that you've got this opportunity to show up and to play for two minutes in front of these people and show them what you're what you're made of and how much you love what you do. Like, I, it's all attitude. And it's also when I say, like, oh, my gosh, get empowered about being taking the accountability to create what you want in your life is because as easy as it is to become victimized and to be like, Oh my gosh, it's so hard. And, ah, uh, I have to show up and these girls are prettier than me. And blah, 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 blah. that is so counterproductive to you booking the job. And it's, instead I would highly, I would love to invite everybody to be like, <sighs> to think about what would they need to do in order to free fall 
into joy, into showing up? What would they need in order to like, just be like so happy to be present with the process? Do you know what I mean? And instead of judging it and quantifying it as hard or easy or effortless or effortful to just be like, this is what it is. And I'm so happy I get to be here right now, hurtling through space on this planet. Wow. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're just like grounded and present. And then you get to just own your power in, 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 in you, in acknowledging that you exist and that that is enough. Shifting your perspective of ain't it awful to ain't it wonderful is everything. The minute you start saying, wow, this is so great that I can, my body works and I can show up and have a beautiful voice that can be heard and I'm worthy of being seen and I'm so happy to fill this space with my energy. The world will respond to that. Hey folks, welcome back to The Bookends. Uh, I'm really excited to hear this. I haven't had a chance to hear it. I was not there. These There's been a couple of interviews over the last couple of weeks where we had them scheduled. I was ready to go. Uh, we were going to do it together. And at the last minute, it got changed by like an hour. And it meant that I wouldn't be able to get to work if I, if I did it. So um, I was really bummed. But uh, I'm super excited to listen to it. Uh, Trev, any, any debrief on this part? Or you want to wait to the second part? Well, you know, let me say this. One thing that I've found really makes a big difference in my life is I if it is, is if I start off my day with at least 10 minutes or so of some kind of personal development, whether that is a great podcast interview with somebody on a great podcast that I enjoy, or it's a book that I'm reading, or it's an audio book, or it's a YouTube video, something positive that gives sends my brain and my subconscious the message that... I am responsible, I am responsible, I am responsible, and I can do this. I have what it takes. And it's just a 10 minutes, 10 minutes. That's nothing in the scheme of things, but it can make the biggest difference. It's one of those tiny areas of leverage that down the line will make the biggest difference in the world. And you can hear in Michelle's voice that she has really made that a priority and invested in herself, and it's paying dividends. And her perspective and what life requires from her to make her, her her dreams come true, frankly. I think, I think she gets that, and she gets what it means to invest in herself. So I would say if you're going to take away anything, or if I'm going to take away anything and share it with you guys, <laughs> that would be uh, find a way to fit 10 minutes into your day and fill it with some sort of inspiring message, some sort of personal development, human potential, you know, self-help message of some kind, because uh, that's, frankly, what most successful people do. They don't listen to, you know, political talk radio on the way to work every day. They may do it sometimes, but most of the time they're educating themselves. They're making an investment in their future by learning about the timeless success principles about what it takes from them as people to show up in life and create, uh, create success. And we could define success as the, the progressive realization of some worthy ideal. It looks different for everybody, but, uh, no matter what it looks like, what it takes from an individual is pretty much the same no matter what you're after. So that would be my that would be my takeaway. Nice. Was it uh, was it Craig Ballantyne that was saying like you you like sort of crush that like one thing? You like make a note of like a one thing. You know, if I if I finish this one thing today, I, you know, I can call it a success. And you just kind of get that one thing out of the way first thing. Uh, I don't know, but that that reminds me, and we talk about this in part two with Michelle. But that reminds me of a book called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy which is basically that idea, that's the whole book, is that take that one thing that is going to provide the most leverage in your life or that one thing that is the most sort of challenging, that you feel the most resistance to, but that is very important, and just handle it. Handle it first thing. And then all of a sudden, you've created this incredible momentum in your day because the frog on your list, the big, ugly frog that was staring you in the face, is now done. You've uh, eaten it, in effect. (laughs) And that's the hardest thing you're going to do all day, right? Is eat Why a frog. is he eating frogs? Um, yeah, there's that other thing about like making your bed every morning, right? Like just the, the that habit um, and what it creates in your in your mind. So uh, that's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm excited to listen. Uh, what's your pick of the week, man? 
So I thought I might have picked this before because it has been such a life-changing thing for me, but I hadn't, so here it is. It's called the Rumble Roller, and it is a piece of exercise equipment. It looks like a torture device. You'll see if you go to the link on the website. <laughs> it is a torture device. If you go to the link on our website and take a look at the uh, the image of it, uh, it, it looks painful. And to be completely honest, it is painful as you're learning to use it. It's a foam roller, but it's got it's firmer than typical foam rollers. And uh, it's got these little nodules on it that stick out. And the idea is you just lay on it and learn how to use it to give your body a massage. They, they call it myofascial release or soft tissue massage. And essentially you use it to work out kinks and sore spots and tight spots and loosen tendons and things like that. And I've really made, uh, you know, as I'm refining my morning routine and adding things in and taking things out and whatnot... I have been experimenting these past few weeks with adding in 10 to 15 minutes of foam rolling on this thing. Uh, and I usually do it right after my workout, and I really am noticing a big difference. One of the things nobody tells you about getting older is that, or maybe they do tell you this, but they, nobody told me, is that the things that are just sort of minor issues in your 20s can become really major nagging issues in your 30s and beyond And when it comes to physical uh, stuff. So, you know, like I've always had sore knees and a bad back, but since I've been using this rumble roller for 10 to 15 minutes every morning and just learning how to work it and work, you know, work my body on it and find those, those spots and those tight spots. And I've learned, I've become more familiar with it and it's really made a huge difference. And actually one of the 21 strategies to sleep smarter that Sean Stevenson mentions in that book that I was my pick of the week, a few episodes back that book sleep smarter. One of those strategies is to foam roll, to do some soft tissue um, or myofascial release as it were on a foam roll every day, because he said, it's like, it's like magic for your parasympathetic nervous, for your parasympathetic system or something about your parasympathetic system. But it, it really does sort of key into a specific part of, of yourself. And it's a great way to give yourself a free massage and to get the spots that the massage person, the masseuse would usually miss. It's worth every penny. And every day when I'm done with my 15 minutes of foam rolling, it feels like I was given a new body. I love this thing. Check it out. The Rumble Roller, the link to that is on our website. I have a foam roller, but it is not this in intense. It does not look like a torture device, but this thing looks amazing. Cool. Oh, so what, man. What's your pick of the week? My pick of the week, uh, I know this doesn't need any help, but I finally got a chance to see Wonder Woman. So my pick of the week is Wonder Woman. I put it in all caps with three exclamation points in the outline. So just imagine me saying it like that because I don't want to blow out the microphone. Um, it's so good. It's so good. Everything you've heard, if you have not seen it, everything you've heard is accurate. It is certainly not a perfect film. Um, it's probably not as good as The Dark Knight, but oh my God, is it good. Um, DC has really been screwing the pooch lately, as most people know. Marvel's just wiping the floor with them, <clears throat> and they finally uh, you know, ha have, have done it right with this film. I'm, I'm, I have higher hopes for Justice League as a result of this film. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. But man, man, was it good. And, and, you know, all the stuff that people have been saying about, you know, um, women's empowerment and little girls having like a superhero to look up to. All true. Um, mm. It was really, really well done. It's like beautiful, too. Like uh, all the stuff on. Um, oh, I'm going to mess up the name of the. I'm not even going to attempt to say it. The name of the island where the Amazons live um, is like it's out of a dream. It looks like um, it reminds me of um, Riverdale from the Lord of the Rings, uh, films. Yeah. It's so, so beautiful. But anyway, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, um, everything you've heard is true. Go, go, go see it. It's really good. Awesome. All right. Well, that is wonder woman. You guys know what that is. And maybe you'll catch a glimpse of Michelle in that because she did work on that film as a stunt person, uh, wonder woman and the rumble roller. And I just realized the, for the rumble roller that I have is about twice the size in length uh, of the one that is linked on our website. I can't find a link to the one that I have. Yeah, the one you see on the website here is is cheaper because it's smaller. It's about half the half the length. But I, I have the longer one. I'll see if I can find that and put that on the website. But uh, if not, then the small one is just as good. It's just, you know, it's just, you just have to position yourself, um, reposition yourself more frequently, that's all. Well, let's get out of here. Anything else to add before we yeah, man. boogie? 
I don't think so. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and posted by yours truly, AJ Meyer. And of course, Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Grace Gordon is our director of public relations. And Fern Lynn designed our logo. Trevor Algat edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on social media and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you guys have a minute, leaving us a review on iTunes, a positive five-star review helps a lot. It helps with our iTunes ranking and search results, and it helps other people find and trust the show. So if you have a second and you enjoy the show and you want to give back, that's a great way to do it. Hop over to iTunes, leave us a positive review. It really uh, makes a difference. Special thanks to our sponsor, Camera Ready You, and thanks to you, our listeners. Visit our website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, get links to everything we talked about on this episode, and if you'd like, support the continued production of the show with either a one-time financial contribution or an ongoing contribution as part of our membership. Visit us at insideacting.net to learn more and to show us some love. And that does it for episode 280 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. 